Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Lord. Praise the Lord. It'd have been alright with me if the Holy Ghost would have took over and we would have had a repeat of Sunday. Praise the Lord. I know tonight is Wednesday night and it's Bible study night, but I don't have a Bible study. (laughs) I don't have a Bible study message, so can I have your permission just to preach to you tonight? Will that be all right? Praise the Lord. Go with me to the book of Ruth, book of Ruth chapter 2. You know, sometimes when you... Get a license. Has anybody got a license or a certificate? And you have to renew it from time to time. Like every four years you go take a refresher course or something to to keep the license continuing. And uh, you know the material. You know you're confident you can pass this little refresher course. But it's inevitable that you have to take this course to continue with your license and What I'm going to preach tonight, we know the material. We have the Holy Ghost. We've got it. But this is just going to be a little refresher course, if I may put it that way. And if that'll be all right, we're going to read from the book of Ruth, chapter 2, verse 5 and verse 6. Before I begin, I give honor to my pastor and say thank you for the opportunity, pastor. It's a privilege. 2 and 5. Everybody have that? Say amen. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is this Moabitish. Everybody say ish. If you wonder how that's spelled, that's I-S-H. Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. Father, I love you and so thankful for the privilege to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I'm asking, Lord, for the next few minutes that you would open our hearts and our minds and, God, that you would speak into our lives. I'm confident that you have a word for us tonight, Lord, and I'm asking you to help me to receive. Help us as a congregation receive what you would speak into our hearts and to our minds, and I'm asking you to anoint these lips of clay, Lord, and help me get what's on my heart into my mouth. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to tell them this, and this is the subject I'm going to preach from. Don't settle for ish in your life. Don't, don't, don't settle for ish in your life. There are many flaws and quirks in my life. I'm very aware of that. 
but there are some things that I am particular over. Uh, one of those things is time, being on time, being there in a timely manner. You know, if we say we're going somewhere and we're going to meet at this time, if Brother Toby and I were going to meet in the morning at 8 o'clock and we had something we was going to do, me personally, I'm going to be there about 7.45. So we can be there, we can be prepared, we can get all of our coffee gathered up, our jackets gathered up, and we can get in the truck and we can be on the way. I want to have plenty of time to be there in a timely manner. I'm not going to be there at 8. I'm not going to show up at 8.05, but I'm going to get there early enough uh, that I know that we have time to leave. And vice versa, if anybody knows Brother Toby, if I told him we was leaving at my house at 8, he's probably going to be there around 6.45. But, however, as much as I am concerned about being timely, and as much as it is one of my pet peeves, there is a particular person or a particular area where I struggle greatly. It's not that she means any less to me. It's not that means her time is not important to me. It's not that I'm not concerned about her emotions or her feelings, but it just seems that when I set a time, something always goes wrong. So after 23 years of marriage, I've learned to say to Jenny, ish. When she calls and says, what time are you going to be home for supper? I tell her seven-ish. Now, that could be 7.45, it could be 8, it could be 8.15, but you see by adding ish, it leaves a little room. There's some uncertainty there. There's really too, too much room for too many variables. Now, if I get there at 7, that's just a plus. But I know how things normally go. Something's going to break down. Something's going to go wrong on the job. And so I'm giving myself some extra time. And I'll refer to her as an ish time. In our text this tonight, we, we read where Boaz's servant refers to Ruth as a Moabitish woman and that she was from Moab. And the phrase ish leads one to think that perhaps she had been away from home for quite a long time now, that she was only identifiable as a Moabitish woman. They know where she came from. They, they knew who she came with, and they are completely aware that Ruth is from the land of Moab. But something's different. The time and circumstance has taken place in her life, and some things has happened to her, and Ruth now apparently just looks a little... Moabitish. Earlier in chapter 1, if you were to read, Ruth was referred to as a Moabitess or more like a, a princess or a fair lady of the land. She, she looked like a Moab. She talked like a Moab. There's no mistaking that she was a Moabite. But now, time, life, circumstances, tribulations and trials has come and we see where Ruth is referred to as just Moabitish. She kind of looks like she came from Moab. She even sometimes acts like she came from Moab. But really, here of late, Boaz, she's just a little Moabitish. We're a little uncertain about where she stands. We're not sure if she's still on that side 
or if she is on our side. And so I've stepped to this desk tonight with a prodding from the Lord and I would say that the Lord is saying tonight in this last day and in this last hour and make no mistake about it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the last days. He's not looking for a church that is just apostolicish. He's not looking for a church that is just Pentecostalish. And I want to tell you tonight that I'm not interested in being in a Pentecostalist church. I'm not, I'm not interested in being part of a savedist church. I'm going to tell you, it, it troubles me and it worries me. And I, I want to be careful here. But when I talk to someone on the street about church and they tell me, well, our church is just like yours. We, we, we shout a little bit. We even raise our hands. We even talk in tongues. We're, we're just like y'all. We're a little Pentecostalish. Well, that worries me and that shakes me because, because I want to tell you that when we sing, they may sing the same songs and they may raise their hands, but I've got the name applied to my life. I, I, I've been washed by the blood. I, the Bible tells me that I'm called out and that I'm a royal priesthood. Not special, but there's something different. There's something real and genuine. We're part of a Book of Acts church, a one God, apostolic, tongue-talking church of the living God. And this world, this world is getting ready to wrap up in Jesus. Jesus is coming back and we don't have time to be playing church. I can remember playing church when I was young and I, I was the preacher. And I, got, I, I preached a lot of good messages that y'all haven't heard yet. And I'd preach to my brother and my cousins and whoever would listen. And I'd preach hard and I'd preach hell hot. And as far as I know, and if they did, they never told me. They never got their feelings hurt over me preaching hard truth. But what's happening in the world today is people don't want conviction in their heart. They don't want to be challenged. They want something preach that makes them feel good about themselves. All across our country, there are churches that are allowing political correctness to creep in. And if we're not careful, the devil will encourage us. He will encourage us to get offended when pastor preaches on something that's in my life. And if we're not careful, all we'll want is just Good preaching, good feel-good preaching. Just some, just preach something, Pastor, that makes me feel good about myself. I want to go home and eat lunch today and not be bothered by what the Word said to me and what the Word's dealing in with my heart. I, I kind of, if you will, Pastor, just preach something that just scratches my back a little. For the whole time I was going to school, my mother, for the most part, unless there was something special, my mother would wake me up in the mornings. Monday through Friday, Mama woke me up. And it was nice when Mama woke me up. She opened the door and she didn't turn the light on. And she would come and she would nudge me over in the bed and she'd sit on the edge of my bed. And she'd start scratching my back. She said, come on, baby. Get up, Jerry. It's time for school. You ever scratched an old dog and they just, and that's how I would be. She'd scratch my head, scratch my back, and give me a few minutes to get myself pulled together and get up. 
And that was a good way to get up, easy way to get up. But Saturdays was different. My dad was home on Saturdays. And I'm glad he done this. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me tonight. But the door would come flying open. And the lights would come on. And he'd holler, get up. Get up. You're going to sleep the day away. He'd holler, we burning daylight. We got to get to work. And I would hurry and try to get ready and get all my stuff to put together. And I'd run to the door and look. And there was no daylight. Because it was still dark. And the point I'm trying to make is I need a man of God to stand behind this desk and tell me to get up. Get up. We burn in daylight. And we've got to get ourselves busy. I I don't want somebody to come up here and scratch me on the back and scratch my head and tell me how good it feels. I need truth and I need preaching in my life tonight. We have to be careful. We have to be careful that we don't let good church become an idol. We can't let good church become an idol. It's not the kind of singing we like. Sister Amy didn't sing tonight, and I wanted to hear her sing. I get soured up. I wanted the congregational, I wanted the praise team to sing wheel, wheel, middle of the wheel, and they didn't sing my song. So I'm not going to clap. I'm not going to worship. I come tonight to hear Brother Rayleigh preach, and you got me. And so I'm going to get sold up and use this time to delete all the emails off my phone. If it's not the kind of preaching we like, if it's not the kind of singing we like, we find ourselves at the end of the service and we put a check in the box. So, well, I was there, but church was a little off today. Ah, it was a little bit of a waste of a time. The brother boy didn't quite have it all together today. And, and brother Brian, he hit the wrong key on the piano twice. And, and we got through it, but it was a struggle. It, it, I, I may have been praising the Lord. I may have been clapping my hands, but I, I, I really wasn't into it. My heart wasn't into it. And what that is, what that is, it, it's worship-ish. I wasn't part of Paul. Agrippa told Paul in Acts 26 and 28, he said, almost, almost persuaded Paul, thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And you know what was happening right there? In that moment with Agrippa, Paul was preaching the gospel. Agrippa liked what he heard. It felt good. He wanted some of it, but he didn't want all of it. And he's telling Paul, I I just want to be just a little bit Christian as if I can. But if you don't hear anything I say tonight, please hear this. Almost saved is always lost. Almost saved is always lost. And I I know this is nothing new, but stay with me. If you miss heaven by an inch, you may as well miss it by a mile. If we got to catch a plane tomorrow in Orlando at 10 a.m., we better not show up at 10-ish because we're going to be late and it's going to be gone. And this world is full. It's full of Christianist people. And what it needs is some Holy Ghost-filled apostolic saints of God that will believe in the truth and preach the truth and the world is looking for people that will walk a line and stay that line. That's what the world is looking for. And I, I'm, I know I'm, I'm just preaching from my heart tonight and I'm reminding us that we can't settle. Don't settle for ish in your life. We, we can't settle for just a, a little bit of it. But we got to hold the line. We got to walk. There's a fine line to walk. 
and we need to be on it. John Deere has a GPS tracking system that they can equip their tractors with, and I don't want to bore you with this, and I'll try to make this quick. But it's an RTK system. There are other systems comparable. If we were going to lay a line or lay a row off in the field across the street, in a comparable system, it will hold what they call subfoot. In other words, when I leave the fence here and I get to the other fence, it's going to be within a few feet of the straight line. In other words, when I turn around and come back to make my other line, they're going to be a few feet off. And that is okay when you're farming rows of 6 feet, 12 feet, 18 feet. It's not that critical that that line is important. But when you're growing carrots or you're growing string beans or you're growing peanuts... Where the, where the vegetable or the fruit or the product is going to have to be come back and be plowed and be picked and be cultivated. You've got to have a precise line. That line has to be straight. And you say, well, Jerry, why does the line have to be so straight? Because whatever that tracking system lays off, when the plow machine comes in to plow, he's going to punch in his coordinates and he's going to follow that same system. And if he gets to up the other end, the RTK system is not sub-foot, but it is sub-inch. If we start on this end of the field and we get to that end of the field, we're going to be within three inches of a straight line. And so where that comes into importance as is when the man begins to plow the peanuts or he begins to plow the carrots, and these rows are on 16-inch rows, when he gets to the other end, if it ain't a straight line, he's plowing up the product. So we've got to hold a line and there are people that are constantly looking at our lives and I'm not, I'm not up here preaching tonight that we've got to be something that we're not. Please don't misunderstand that. But there's a difference between a few inches and a few feet and sometimes if we're not careful there can be a spirit that creep into our soul and say, well, what's the big deal, pastor? Why are you preaching so hard? Why do you always want me reading? Why do you always want me praying? Why do you always want me guard my heart? What's the big deal? It's just one little thing in my life. It's just one little ish you. What does it hurt? Young people, you hear me now just for a minute. I'm going to talk to you. You may think that it does not matter right now what's being said back there by your Sunday school teacher. You may think that it does not matter what is being said right now by your student pastor. You may think when you go to a youth rally or HYC that it's no big deal what they're saying. But I'm going to tell you and take it from somebody who knows there come, there will come a day in your life that if you're not with the Lord, you'll be sitting in a midnight hour trying to cry yourself to sleep and you're going to hear some things that your youth pastor said. You're going to hear some things that they preached at HYC and you're going to say, now I know why it was so important to hold this line and not just be partway into what God is wanting me to do. We're going to see one of these days, ladies and gentlemen, that all these Wednesday night Bible studies, <laughs> they was worth it. It, it really matters that I was here getting the word in my life on a Wednesday night. I, I know I'm rambling. So, so if you're wondering what I'm preaching, here's what I'm preaching. I'm preaching against the spirit of ish that would cause us to say, well, I almost read my Bible every day this year. I almost prayed every day this year. I almost did it. We almost was an apostolic revival church. 
I'll declare today to you too in the Holy Ghost that there would be a boldness in us that would rise up and it would say, I will be an apostolic. I, I, I won't waver from one side to the other, but I'm a child of God and He's called me to this and I'm going to be everything I can be. We do have a great church and we are a revival church, but we can't allow ourselves to fall in a place of complacency. Last Sunday, and I don't want to bore you with this, but last Sunday, the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans squared off in football for the AFC Divisional Championship. And I know there's only two left listening right now, so. Baltimore was 14-2 and for the season. Lost two football games. One through the middle of the season when they had a lot of starters that were injured. And toward the end of the season, they lost a game and they basically throwed in the towel because they set most of their starters to keep them from getting hurt where they could play in the playoffs. Tennessee Titans was 9-7 and seven and they barely scraped into the playoffs. They, they had a wild card slot. And they won that and then went to play Baltimore. Quarterback for Baltimore has broken all kind of records this year. He leads the league. He's going to be the league's most valuable player. They've done been picked to win the Super Bowl by several sports analysts. So this is just a formality. This game here is just, we're just going to get through this and then we're going to play in the championship game. Just a formality. Tennessee's struggling. They've got a lot of injured players. The secondary is depleted. Lamar Jackson, the, the, the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, is going to eat their lunch. And when they blowed the whistle, Tennessee hit them in the mouth. And they never recovered and lost the football game. I listened to four different interviews from four different men, and they all used the same word from the Baltimore Ravens team when they was asked, what was wrong? What happened? I mean, this is literally the first time in history. And the reply was, we were just sluggish. Sluggish. You've put all this time in. You've put all this effort in. And I, I know, I know that I'm preaching to the choir tonight. But you've, you've done the work. You've put the time in. The, the test is here. The time is now. It's, it's, it's about time to go home. Why would you want to give up now or play, play halfway now? Our adversary... Is not in some church uptown. Our adversary is not in the pew with us today. Our adversary is not sitting on the other side of the church, someone that we don't want to talk to. But we have an adversary. And the Bible says that our adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. And you know what it means to devour? I'm not going to give you the Webster edition. I'm going to give you a Hatchbend edition of what it means to devour. It means to take an apostolic child of God who knows better and turn them into apostolic-ish. And I don't want them to say, well, old Jerry, he was on fire for God one time. But now it's kind of hard to tell what road he's traveling. He, he, he may be good one Sunday. Ah, but you can't really tell the next Sunday if he's Pentecostal or not. But there are people in this building tonight 
that have been serving the Lord for 20, 30, 40. I, I, I believe there might even be some people in here tonight been serving the Lord for 50 years. And you go ask any one of them at the conclusion of this service, young people, and they'll tell you the adversary is still roaring. He's still roaming. He's still trying to devour, and he doesn't care. He doesn't care when he gets us just as long as he gets us. And we can't afford to live for God halfway. We can't settle. We can't settle for ish in our life. God, God wants more than that. He demands more than that. And we can't allow the cares of life and the things of this world to slow walk us down and come between us and God. Don't, don't raise your hand to this question, but just mull this over in your mind. Do you ha- and I'm not talking about sin, but do you have anything in your life that you struggle with? I would say we all do. Sometimes, if I could be a little transparent, I feel I feel overwhelmed with life. I, I, I worry about work. I worry about finances. I worry about taking care of my family and my mother. And sometimes it feels like this big elephant sitting on my chest and I can't breathe. Go to men's conference and get a powerful motivational message that, that helps and then I resort back to my old ways, worrying, worrying about things. And the whole time I'm saying, Lord, help me with this, help me with this. But, but I tell myself, I, I, I can handle this, I'll get this worked out. But God never intended for us to suffer or to work with us. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He will give us the rest. He will give it. But we have to know and understand. And our musicians, if you would come, please. We have to know and understand that we are in the fight of our lives. We're fighting for our souls. We're fighting for our families. And in these last days, our walk as an apostolic child of God is going to be a fight to the finish. It's it's not going to be... Uh, a gravy train ride as some may think from here to the end but we're going to have to fight to the end in 1968 Tanzania chose John Stephen Aquari to represent them in the Mexico City Olympics along the way as he ran he stumbled and he fell he severely injured both his knees and one ankle it was late in the evening and a runner from Ethiopia had already won, won the race hours before. Everyone else had finished. And there were only just a few spectators at the finish line left to watch John. All of a sudden the police siren caught everyone's attention and they could see John limping towards the gate. This 36-year-old with his leg wrapped up in a bloody bandage his ankle secured by tape. The people there cheered and there was a reporter at the gate as he crossed the line that asked him the question that everyone wanted to know. He said, why? Why continue the race when you were so badly injured? John replied, my country did not send me 7,000 miles to begin a race. They sent me to finish a race. And I don't believe for one minute that there is a single person in this house today 
who started living for the Lord, who started this journey with no intentions to finish. We all want to finish this. We started to finish it. And we're striving to make heaven our home and to finish it. To finish it, if I may be so blunt, we're going to have to bear down. And we're going to have to push harder than we've ever had to push for before. Because I, I'm telling you something you already know. But the devil is hard at work trying to get the church to not believe that we can have revival. The, de- the devil's hard at work to try to get us to believe that we're the only ones in this boat rowing. And I declare in the name of Jesus Christ tonight that we can and we will be the church that Jesus has called us to be. Would you stand tonight with me? Father, we love you and we're thankful for the spirit that we have felt in this place. My God in heaven, I just ask you tonight to touch our hearts and to touch our minds and help us, God. God, I want to give you 100%. I don't want to settle, God, for just issues. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.